Well, I don't feel like I'm a part of the everyday American society, and I don't want to be, let me tell you. Okay? I do my damnedest to tear it down. A governor's task force has determined that punk rockers are society's new subversives and must be treated as such. Taxation is theft. Oh! God damn it, motherfucker! We're talking peace, laws, and honor. What's up, lads and ladies? This is episode 7 of the BR Hates Feds podcast, and 7's my lucky number, so I feel like it's going to be a good one. It is the 16th of March, 2021, and today I want to be talking about some really crazy shit going on in England um, regarding the murder of Sarah Everard by a London Metropolitan Police Officer. And it's actually got England talking for maybe the first time ever on the public stage about um, self-defense. And it comes after a year of international outcry about um, police brutality. And then they kind of, you know, neatly swept it under the rug as, uh, as good old Kamala Harris and, and Biden took the office. And all of a sudden, like, they just fucking dropped it. Like, the good guys won, the battle's over, police brutality has won internationally. The, the conversation just fucking dead on arrival. Um, but before I go into that big mess, a little bit of housekeeping. So, uh, you guys have been asking me for a Spotify playlist for a long fucking time, probably about two years, and I apologize profusely. I never put it together because I, uh, I, I just fucking slacked on it. It was something I meant to do, but a ton of other moving parts to what I do. But you can now finally find it, so there will be a link in the description of this episode. So the Spotify playlist is called Bloody Good Punk, and you can find that if you search it on Spotify. And it has um, basically a very a very anti-authoritarian vibe, but then like also the punk essentials. It's a nice blend of um, kind of like a beginner's step into anarcho-punk, but then with, uh, you know, the supporting bulk of what makes up uh you know, like, like, everyone can appreciate these songs, and then there's a little bit more of my taste in there, it's, um, I'd say it's a very meaty, complete, uh, punk playlist, um, not as much cross-punk as I would have liked, because, uh, you know, they don't fucking publish anything, um, <laughs> you have to, like, dig out cassettes out of bins, I guess, yeah, lots of anarcho-punk, kind of, um, a little bit of hardcore, West Coast hardcore, um, all the big names, you know, Misfits, Dead Candies, lots of Black Flag. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty proud of it. It's about six hours worth, and I'm going to keep on adding to it. And in addition to that, I'm going to be making plenty of other playlists. I'm sure some of you have seen from my uh, my story I did a few days ago. Um, yeah, so I'm going to keep on putting out other stuff, you know, like rap playlists, uh, maybe like a just anarcho-punk playlist, and then kind of meeting it up a little bit more, because there's some stuff, you know, I, I had a bit of everything in this playlist, so, um, but yeah, so we're going to do a little bit of everything, and, uh, 
yeah, we're gonna finally make this long wait for me to get off my ass and put together some some playlists worth it. So, uh, no schedule on those apart from the first one, which is now out. Um, again, I'll put a link in the, in the description and in my link tree that I have on Instagram and all that. But yeah, I'll, I'll keep on putting out playlists as I kind of, uh, you know, find the time to, uh, and I'll be posting about them. Oh, and one more thing, you guys are going to be listening to this while you're nursing your St. Patrick's Day hangovers, so, um, I, I hope you, uh, hope you drank good, hope you didn't, uh, didn't get arrested, and hopefully, uh, the hangover hurts, you insensitive fucks, you know, downing one car bomb after the next, not thinking about where the name comes from. Actually, no, half of you are going to be singing IRA songs as you do so, so, you know, have fun, be safe, fuck you. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, let's let's get on with the main meat of this episode, which, like I said, is the murder of Sarah Everard. So, some of you might have heard of this story, um... And some of you won't have, because we, we don't fucking hear about anything happening in Britain, uh, stateside. Um, but so a Metropolitan Police officer, not like, you know, on a call, murdered this girl, Sarah Everard, but um, just on his own time, doing some, some creepy serial killer shit. Uh, so, I'll, I'll just uh, read you through this, this article article so you can kind of understand the events and um there's a lot of stuff in here that is very interesting this is a cnn article and so they're forced to address conversation about you know women being assaulted and stuff and so it's like can you guys not fucking put the pieces together um it's it's maddening because it happens in a different country um self-defense isn't even part of the conversation not in not in the way it would be over here, where it's instantly, like, politicized. But in this article, they just identify a problem. And then there's, like, really no kind of sensible solution offered up. But anyway, so, uh, this article starts. A London Metropolitan Police officer has been charged with the kidnap and murder of 33-year-old Sarah Everard, whose disappearance on a walk home has reignited national debate in Britain on women's safety and sexual assault. Wayne Cousins, 48, appeared at Westminster Magistrates Court on Saturday for his first hearing. He has been remanded in custody and will next appear in court at the Old Bailey in London on March 16th, according to Met Police. Uh, the Old Bailey is like a big kind of uh, court where a lot of the London proceedings go down um, for like serious crimes. Everard disappeared on March 3rd. Uh, so, 13 days ago, as of, um, the writing of this, and her body's, uh, well, it gets into that. Everard disappeared on March 3rd while walking in Clapham, South London, prompting an extensive police search in the area. Her remains were eventually found more than 50 miles from where she was last seen. A post-mortem examination will now take place on Everard's remains. So, that's not just, like, a, a crime of passion. This guy's, like... Because he's a cop. The guy who fucking killed her was a Metropolitan Police Officer. Um, this Wayne Cousins. So, he knew <laughs> to at least move her body, like, way the fuck out of the initial, you know, area they'd be searching. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really know what the fucking plan was, but he... I guess he had an idea to give himself some more time than he, he would have had otherwise. Um, it continues... 
Cousins, a police constable whose primary role was uniform patrol duties of diplomatic premises. So he protected pedophiles in his spare time. Um, <laughs> where was I? Uh, patrol duties of diplomatic premises was arrested in Kent on Tuesday. He was charged on Friday, according to a statement from Rosemary Ainsley, the CPS, uh, Child Protective Service, head of special crime. Or is that Crown Prosecution Service? It could- I fucking hate British acronyms. They just use the same one for like 50 different things. Um, the Independent Office for Police Con Conduct, a police watchdog agencies. <laughs> yeah, we investigated ourselves and found ourselves guilty of no wrongdoing. Um, that's usually the case, but, you know, occasionally they have a sacrificial lamb. Yeah, they're like, oh no, no, this is actually a bad cop, which is exactly how this whole thing's gonna eventually burn out. There will be no further conversation of can officers abuse their authority and, you know, the public's trust of them. <laughs> what little is left, although most Brits are total fucking lemmings that, um, you know, 100% believe in authority blindly. Um, anyway, uh, the Independent Office for Police Conduct, a police watchdog agency, said in a statement on Thursday that it had started an independent investigation into police actions involving the suspect. Um, cool. Yeah, I'm sure that's going to really dig up a whole lot of information. Um, Everard's disappearance has prompted thousands of women to share their own experiences of intimidation or harassment while walking alone at night across the country and around the world. Yeah, except probably... <laughs> okay, so a lot of these women are going to be the same people that jump on Twitter and call Americans crazy cowboys for owning for carrying a gun every day. And then they're like, I'm afraid when I walk home at night. And I just, it, it's not 100% their fault because Brits, we're, the vast majority of us are raised in this culture where you're not an individual. You are a member of a group. And I, I talked about this a little bit on the Bite in the Bullet podcast episode I was on a little while back. But um, we're not... We're not individuals, you're a person in a class. So you're like, you know, like, councilwaller, like, you know, lower class, you're like, middle class, kind of, you know, y I mean, you guys see middle, most of America is middle class, but you, you do have some people really at the bottom of the ladder, you know, all over, of course, but, um, it's very, very highly perceived in, in Britain, because it's, it's existed for so long, you have, um, you know, people who've, whole generations after generations who've grown up on, uh, you know, big estates, and they're just moneyed, and they their family couldn't imagine someone not attending the same school their great-grandfather went to, and, you know, working in the same halls of parliament, and or, or you know, running business and all that shit. Um, it's very, there's, there's not very much new money in Britain compared to, uh, compared to the States. Um, and, so that reality is very present, um, just in our society. And so the idea of being responsible for yourself, of carrying a gun, or even, and, and I, I've, I've been saying this to friends, uh, friends back home who have been giving me the fucking, I love them to death, but it's with great effort. Uh, they've been giving me the stupidest fucking responses where I'm like, I'm not telling you to adopt cowboy culture like me and <laughs> you know, wear a, wear a gun on your hip every day, because I know Britain will probably never be ready for that, unfortunately. 
Um, I think it's just until the propaganda and the the culture of lemming-like reliance ends, um, people will not look after themselves because nanny the the nanny state does that for them. Um, give it twenty years, they won't be able to wipe their ass without a, a government approval. Um, well, fucking damn near, but um, so yeah, the idea of carrying a gun. Obviously, I'm not even like carry a gun. You know, Britain's not ready for that. They're fucking babies about that kind of stuff. So how about this? We fucking put out um, pepper spray and tasers. You can buy them. And you know what? I'll even give them this fucking disgusting act of, like, you have to, I don't know, be 18 or some shit. Whatever. You know, if that helps them sleep at night, that kids aren't going to go around teasing and pepper spraying each other. Um, uh, yeah, just, like, fucking give them non-lethal ways to defend themselves. <laughs> but but Britain, that, that hasn't even entered the conversation. No one is talking about that. Not even, not gun rights groups. No one has the fucking balls in Britain because they know it would be like, pfft, Christ knows. I I don't I don't even know what to compare it to because Britain is such an alien society from the way that we in this community, and this way of thinking, um, talk. You know, they just everything is reliant on on the state in some way. It has to have a, a stamp of approval. Is it legal? Is it okay if I do this? Am I allowed to do this? Rather than just fucking doing stuff and being like, oh, hope I don't get caught. You know, <laughs> like... I, I, don't, I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's... Like, there's no space to get away from authority, that kind of feeling in Britain. But... Yeah, in, instead of instead of being like, I need to look after myself because the world's a dangerous place and clearly even the police has predators within it. And, you know, this wasn't even, like, a, you know, it, like, the, the conversation wasn't hijacked by race, because it was a, it was a white woman murdered by, I, I think, I'm pretty sure a white cop, so it's like, you know, it's, it's just violence, without even that part of the conversation, um, so we can't be like, it was, like, a racist attack, it was just, it was just a man abusing his authority to kill someone else, um, and, and I, I keep on saying abuse his authority, it's not like he was, you know, in the line of duty and murdered someone, but I, I do think it's just a natural correlation that someone who manhandles someone for a living, you know, for very minor offences more often than not, you know, you, a lot of people have seen, uh, you know, cops beating the living shit out of people and slapping them in cuffs and knocking them to the ground for being somewhere without a mask on, so, you know, they, they used to... They just dehumanize people and, you know, uh, violently handle them for a living. So, of course, if someone has the tendencies or the the want to be a murderer, um, I, I really genuinely do think the job uh, helps prepare them for that, you know? Um, you're just used to <laughs> just treating people like shit, hurting them. Um, so... So yeah, um, you can't even rely on police, and Brits need to fucking realize this. And when I'm having this conversation, my mates are still looking at me like, "Oh, oh, Bia, you're so crazy, out there in America carrying a gun." I'm like, "No, fuck the gun," you know. As much as I would like that to be normal, it's not gonna happen for fucking a century or more at least. That Britain gets to a point where that's even a conversation. But carry some pepper spray. Can you have some pepper spray on your keyring? So when you're walking back to the bus or from the train station at, you know, 
like nine because Britain is eternally dark in any part of the year that's vaguely winterish, um, like really fucking early. Because <laughs> when I, f I feel like winters in England feel like winters in Alaska, it's fucking miserable. But that's just my um, that's just my cynical memory. Uh, but anyway, you know you should be able to fucking. So I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, so the article goes on. Everard's disappearance has prompted thousands of women to share their own experiences of intimidation or harassment while walking alone at night across the country and around the world. I, I read that part. Many also exchanged notes on the habitual precautions they take to try to stay... Uh, I can't fucking get through this without beginning to lose my shit. Okay. Many also exchanged notes on the habitual precautions they take to try to stay safe when they walk alone like clutching keys between their knuckles, pretending to talk to someone on the phone, or not wearing headphones at night, and voice their anger and frustration that it feels like a necessary step. And here's what it fucking is. Like, they... You're just waiting to be a victim in Britain. Um, you can't carry pepper spray legally. You can't carry tasers. You can't carry a locking knife over three inches. I'm sure if you had, like, a, you know, what's considered a legal knife, if you were in any kind of urban area... You'd probably get fucking pulled in for it anyway, and, you know, your time wasted and harassed about it. Um, knives, like, it's just not a thing in Britain. You just, I mean, I always, I grew up pretty rural, so I always had a locking knife on me because I'm just a fucking little hardcore rebel. But, um, you know, it's it's not normal. And in London, I'm, it can get you, like, 10 years uh, knife crime offense and shit. It's, they, they treat... Um, they treat knife crime like, well, you know, like the Democrats talk about gun control. It's it's very much the same kind of culture of fear and like hardcore, um, you know, criminalization and uh, jail sentencing for victimless crimes like carrying a knife, not even using it. Um, they just treat you like you're a gang member, you know. <laughs> um, Oh, and then they fucking chime in with the royalty. Catherine, the Duchess of Cambridge, uh, this is uh, Prince William's wife, uh, remembers what it felt like to walk around London at night before she got married, a royal source said. The Duchess made a private visit to the memorial for Everard in Clapham on Saturday, the source said. She wanted to pay her respects to Everard and her family. You want to pay her respects? Fucking deregulation of, um, of self-defense. And like I said, doesn't have to be fucking guns. Doesn't even have to be tasers if you're fucking that afraid of them. Pepper spray. Give them fucking pepper spray. Let them carry, you know, like knuckle dusters and stuff because those are illegal. Um, fucking anything, batons. But um, yeah, if you carry if you carry a weapon in England, it's considered premeditated. If you carry a weapon to defend yourself, it's premeditated assault, which is the most fucking backwards thing on this planet. Um. So, <laughs> Britain's role, like I said, it's not the common sense thing of like, oh, people are soft targets, let's make them not soft soft targets, let's let people look after themselves, it's how do we protect these, the tax cattle from the wolves? It's not, it's not like, well, let's turn them from sheep into, I'm getting into the fucking concealed carry uh, instructor sheepdog bullshit, um, fuck that. Anyway. So, this is their solution, and it 
it pisses me off. It really fucking pisses me off. Nick F. Grave. What I, uh, fuck you, Nick. You have a shit name. F. Grave? Anyway. Assistant Commissioner of the Metropolitan Police said on Friday that he understood that, quote, Women in London and the wider public, particularly those in the area in the area where Sarah went missing, will be worried and may well be feeling frightened. <sighs> and and that Londoners could expect to see a rise in officers on the streets in the coming days. So a cop kills someone. So this is the way British government officials think. Um a cop murdered someone. No, not in the line of duty, but he was a cop, and it's a well-established and known fact that a police officer killed someone. Murdered someone. Um, and so their solution is, we're going to make you feel safer by putting more cops out on the streets, which, again, is after a, a whole summer and essentially a year of, you know, police brutality activism. Even And, and this wasn't um, for those who just see you know, our homegrown propaganda, the the uh, police brutality protests were worldwide, they were everywhere. Um, Britain had a pretty fucking busy summer as well, uh, with that discussion going on, and over-policing, and, you know, to the point that, like, you know, it, the, the public was starting to understand the lockdown shit a little bit, there was, it, it's a fucky message, but, you know, there was, there was some understanding, there was kind of progress with understanding state violence even from people, you know, they're not going to agree with really anything else we talk about. But, it's a fucking start. It's a peek behind the curtain, and seeing it's fucking blood-drenched, you know? So yeah, the, the solution is, let's put more fucking potential murderers who might abuse their authority out on the streets. That'll make the public feel safer. It's fucking tone-deaf. Um, so he goes on, I know that the public feels hurt and angry about what has happened, and... Those are sentiments that I share personally, and I know my colleagues here at Scotland Scotland Yard and across the Met share as well. What a fucking dumb, detached cunt he is. Nick F. Grave. Fuck, I hate Bryn. I, I couldn't live there anymore. <laughs> this shit drives me nuts. And then I fucking talk about it with my mates, and they think I'm nuts too. And it's like, fuck, it's so insulated. They just don't have any other perspective, they just see this lockdown little, well, this is just how things are, man, you know, and it's like, it doesn't fucking have to be, you don't have to rely on these people, and you shouldn't, because they can't be relied on, but no matter how much evidence they give us to not trust them, not rely on them, um, Brits, <sighs> Brits try their hardest to depend on them, and it fucking makes me so sad, so, um, yeah, I mean, obviously this murder, uh, 13 days ago, the murder took place, or she disappeared at least, um, and so, in the, in the wake of that, and of, of this whole thing kind of being discussed, um, there's been this campaign, Reclaim the Streets, so the article goes on, a series of vigils had been planned Saturday across the country. But the Reclaim These Streets events were cancelled after London police said the Clapham vigil couldn't go ahead, citing coronavirus restrictions, the organisers said in a statement Saturday. A large crowd of mourners gathered for hours Saturday evening anyway at a makeshift memorial in Clapham, where Everard was last seen. So, there's just, you know, just like the Duncan Lemp thing, they shut down protests and they tried to do a lot of that 
all over the country, they're like, actually, your protest's not allowed, which is the most insane thing ever, that we've gotten to a place where a protest can be, like, given a stamp of approval by the government. That tells you how fucking cucked rebellion is in the modern world, and I'm glad that people are, you know, saying, fuck you. Even in England, they're like, nah, we're gonna do it anyway, fuck you. Um, oh, and for the record, whenever I talk about uh, metropolitan police officers, I want you to picture a bunch of mildly overweight, graceless-looking, uh, like, pudgy white people wearing these stupid fucking hats and high-vis vests with police on them. Um, you know, they're, they're not these... They, they do fucked up things, but they're not quite the, uh, the tactical mall ninjas we have rolling around in police cruisers stateside. They, they look fucking dorky, so whenever I'm looking at them being tyrants, I'm like, God, these fucking silly assholes. So the article continues... The crowd observed a moment of silence, some placed flowers and candles, and chanted, We remember Severa Everard, and Sisters United will never be defeated. I mean, I think, I think Sisters should be united, but I think they should be, you know, uh, across a few lanes of the, the, the local range, getting their groups tight, but, um, that's, that's why, quick shout out to Stilettos and Shotguns, um, She's she's probably one one of my favorite ladies in the community who's uh, in the in the gun community, um, you know, very proactive about you know talking talking about uh, shooting for women carrying, um, and she's she's a fucking badass. She's very plugged in with all the news and her activism, and uh, she's definitely definitely one of us. I I really like her. She doesn't hold back anything. So shout out to her. Check her out and. Uh, if, if anyone has, you know, a lady in their life that needs uh, kind of a role model for carrying, she's your gal. So, yeah, you know, like, I, no one sees this. It really annoys me that no one's that I've seen is out there like, hey, we should be able to defend ourselves. It's, hey, what are you going to do for us? And it's like, fuck, that's your problem from the start. You think these fucking idiots are the solution. They're not. They're the ones who create... They've made you potential victims. You could be, you could be four four eleven, and like ninety pounds soaking wet. But if you have a, you know, if you conceal a Glock nineteen on you with hollow points, you can fucking sort out <laughs> six eight brick shit house if he comes at you. You know what is more about human equality, like you know, true feminist equality, than being than having the equal capability of force, you know? Like, you go from being like, oh, well, I'm empowered, but this man could still fucking, you know, choke me out with one hand, <laughs> to, uh, you know, I, I don't care how fucking big you are, I'm equal to you. You know, you don't scare me. I can defend myself against you. But that's, that's not where the culture is driven, because that wouldn't be advantageous to government, to how things operate. We can't have people be individuals and be capable because that doesn't make good tax cattle. So instead, we have these non-solutions where cops are the ultimate fix-all. You know, if we just had more cops, more potential um, bullies with guns in the wrong position, uh, the world would be grand. That I, I, I literally see no difference between a police officer and a predator drone. Um, you know, there's still a twat behind a gun at the end of the day. <laughs> so 
it just makes me sad reading about this because Brits, there, there's no, there's no self-driven solution. It's this collectivist bullshit that never works out. So, as police began urging the crowd to disperse due to COVID-19 restrictions, mourners could be heard chanting "Shame on you" and "Arrest your own." Fucking damn right. Organizers told CNN that police and local officials have allowed another vigil, oh how generous of them, to be held Saturday evening to commemorate Everard and other women who have been murdered by men. That was held in Brixton, where Everard lived, but most people stayed at the larger gathering in Clapham. The Reclaim These Streets organizers said they will be raising £32,000, approximately $44,500, for women's causes, which would also cover £10,000, around $13,000, or $14,000, of possible fines for the 32 vigils that had been scheduled across the country. Fuck me, think about what $44,500 could do to arm women. To And again, these they don't have to be fucking rocking glocks in England. Give every woman, like, you know, a, a, a can of practice pepper spray and pepper spray. Like, good stuff. Marking all that, all that shit. And again, you guys know my fucking position on this. I would much rather they carried Glocks, but the culture, they fucking, you know, power to them. I, I know a handful of women would want to carry, but uh, the masses would fucking, the, the country would burn down with the, the discussion. Um, but like, seriously, a practical solution that you could do right fucking today in England with the way the culture is. Use that 32,000 instead of paying for ridiculous fines um, on these women. Protect them. You know? It's just a waste of fucking resources. I, I haven't had, like, a full ranting episode, but we've gone 30 minutes. I think I'm starting to taste blood. But we're gonna get through it. Um, fuck, man. Alright. On Saturday, the Greater Manchester Police, GMP, said they supported a vigil that has been planned in Manchester, saying in a statement that women should never have to live in fear or change their behaviour to keep themselves safe on our streets, and GMP stands with this message and understands why events were planned in support of it. We understand there are a number of online events as well as a doorstep vigil that have been arranged for this evening, and GMP absolutely supports these and encourages our communities to join them. They allow people to stand together over this important matter in a COVID-safe way and in a way which complies with government regulations as they currently stand. Oh, fuck. I fucking... Britain! Why are you like this? We're all gonna stand on our fucking doorsteps with a candle. Um, and that's gonna... That's gonna change how... How women get assaulted at night. How every woman... Uh, if it's dark out in Britain, feels like a potential victim. The culture is so poor. It's just of poor quality. In in this regard, in terms of solutions and thinking for yourself and just the natural way of looking after yourself, you know, like it's um in opposition to common sense at every corner it can be. So the next part of the article is titled Feeling Unsafe in Public Places, which, you know, isn't just a... that's not an exclusive thing to women. Um, Britain's a really fucking confrontational place. 
And, like, everyone's very fucking leery in Britain. Um, I don't know what it is. Everyone's fucking tense as shit. Public transportation, you know, look you up and down, like, yeah, you know. Fucking very... There's not quite a word for it. People are just very confrontational. Not not in like a, you know, get in your face about it way, but stare you out, kind of, kind of size you up. I don't know what it is. It's one of those things. Um, you know, like some countries you visit and you're just like, fuck, something in the water, man. Something just fucked up with the culture. Um, in the UK, instances of abduction are relatively rare. But new polling indicates that sexual harassment and abuse are not. Over 70% of women sur surveyed by UN Women UK oh Christ, said they had experienced sexual harassment in public spaces. That figure rose to 97% among women aged 18 to 24, polling showed. The data, released Wednesday, was drawn from a YouGov survey of more than 1,000 women commissioned by UN Women UK in January 2021. The organization's polling also suggested that women have little faith in public institutions to tackle the situation. Yeah. Thank fuck. Only 4% of women told us they reported the incidents of harassment to an official organization, with 45% of women saying they didn't believe reporting would help change anything. No, it fucking won't, because bureaucracy is in the, in the way between you and success. <laughs> Women are not alone in feeling under, thre under threat on the streets. Men are more likely to be victims of violent crime... Ah, uh, here we go. ...are more likely to be the victims of violent crime involving strangers and acquaintances than are women, according to the Annual Crime Survey for England and Wales, published by the UK Office for National Statistics, ONS. Yeah, I got randomly fucking assaulted. Kind of wish I... ...that cunt. Um, not gonna lie. I've got permanent, permanent damage to my memory. Um... And fundamentally, I'm, I'm a pretty different person from that bump on the head. Maybe for better or worse, but, uh, yeah, I, I kind of would have preferred not to have gone through that. Um, <laughs> uh, government data shows that men are far more likely to be prosecuted for acts of violence against both women and men. Yeah, again, England's a, a violent hellhole. <laughs> Over the three-year period ending March 2020, the vast majority of suspects convicted of homicide were male. 93% of the total. Yeah, because we get fucking caught. Um, okay, that's that's the end of the article. But the whole fucking thing is a nightmare for me. Because as much as the conversation is shifting to, like, women are vulnerable, um, there's just... I, I really can't see it going away where it's like, hey, common sense measure, let's make them not soft targets. It's not going to be part of the conversation. And I can't... I can't think of any way to reach out or to really um, link up with any organizations that would be interested in promoting that kind of message that I could, you know, make uh, infographics or anything for, which I would gladly donate, I'd gladly donate my time to do uh, and, and put my efforts into if I could affect some kind of change back home, but I know, I know there's just not an organization driven to do it. I know the British NRA are a bunch of fucking soft old men who are afraid their target rifles are going to be taken. Um, you know, they none of them have the balls to even back national carry or anything of the sort. Um, and, you know, nor should they because their organization doesn't mean shit. It's fucking pointless, just like the National Rifle Association in the States. It's, um, it's just a front. It's borderline controlled opposition if it 
isn't actually controlled opposition. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, if someone knows of a group that are effective in pushing that message, I would gladly donate my time to, to help them out, but I'm 90% certain there is no such group. I'll put out my propaganda all the same, and I encourage anyone else who cares about this issue to do so as well, but I, I really cannot see anyone happily picking up that message, because the second... It, start, it starts to sound kind of um, Second Amendment adjacent. All the Brits are going to be allergic to it. They're going to break out in fucking hives at the thought of carrying anything on their body to defend themselves because it's just culturally, you know, unless you, you've spent time in a, in a fucking war zone or have had something happen to you, most Brits, it's, it's like taboo to think about. Um... People do not talk about self-defense in Britain. You know, it's like a joke. Oh, I got a bat, you know, got a cricket bat in my closet or some shit. Like, oh, you know, I went downstairs with a, you know, grabbed a kitchen knife. It's like, yeah, you had to go fucking, guess who, who would have beat you to that kitchen knife? If you really thought someone was in your house? Nah, they, you'd been fucked up, mate. Um, and if you cracked them over the head with a cricket bat, their family would probably fucking sue you uh, for assault. Because Britain. Um, so let me give you a, you know, alright, so they're going to put more, more cops on the streets, that's the first solution, but then we have, um, a few politicians, not just, uh, so, the Green Party leader, a Baroness, um, what's her name? Baroness Jones, in the House of Lords, uh, during a debate on domestic violence on March 11th, discussed a 6pm curfew for men. <laughs> uh, she said, quote, which would make women feel a lot safer. Um, so I guess at 6pm, all the, all the boys have to go home <laughs> and like fucking sit at home and have their, their Zoom pub session in this, uh, Orwellian England fucking airstrip one. Um... <laughs> And, and a few people have agreed with her, like, it's not just her, yeah, their, their solution isn't to, isn't to empower women, it's put government drones on the streets, and also criminalize men being out past 6pm, which is insane, like, and, and I presume she would have all sorts of, like, a reasonable policy, like, she'd try and, like, really serve it up, like, oh, no, 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 you can get, like, you know, you'll have a pass if you work later, of course, you know, and like if you have an event that you absolutely have to go to, there'll be hall passes, but, you know, by and large, it's public safety, men just have to stay at home past 6pm, um, which, you know, would make a really good time to be a rapist, because you're like, huh, I, I guess all the men are going to be home, and then the women aren't carrying anything, so as long as I, you know, I'm somewhere where there's not many cops, fucking sweet, you go out and have your pick of women. Fucking insane. Uh, you guys can see why I'm so fucked up. Because I, I grew up in this environment with not this mentality. I didn't know how to fucking deal with it. Um, it's just backwards. I was sitting there reading about, you know, Second Amendment shit and best carry guns when I was like 16. <laughs> I'm surrounded by people who, who have no idea this lifestyle exists. They think, you know, like, w when I was doing that, they, and they hear about guys carrying guns, they probably imagine fucking cowboys.
you know, uh, until it became like a really hot spot issue, but, and we actually started seeing news about it in England, because uh, they had to shame it, they have to shame that culture, and be like, ooh, those fucking weirdo cowboy Americans and their crazy ship carrying guns on them, <sighs> alright, fuck, I've been running for like 41 minutes straight, so, let's, uh, <laughs> let's, let's chill out for a second, you know, all this has been making me think a lot more, um, I, I've talked about it a little bit in my Q&As and stuff, but I've started to, you know, take friends and, and stuff out to, or friends and acquaintances and stuff like that, really anyone who knows someone who wants to learn how to, how to shoot, how to carry and stuff, and that's been kind of my little, like, uh, pandemic project, you know, it's just been a nice little thing as, as more and more people who would have never really, not that they would have been rude about it or were anti-gun, they just, you know, guns weren't part of their life, they didn't grow up with it, um, you know, they would just grow up in the city or whatever, and they never considered carrying a gun or that it would be, would be necessary. Um, you know, they might have grown up in better neighborhoods or, or just, you know, it, they didn't even see it as an option. Or dangerous guys carried guns if they grew up in a shittier neighborhood. And so, um, it's been nice to take out people and kind of awaken them because they're like, oh, fuck, this isn't scary. And that has been something I've really fucking enjoyed. And, <clears throat> I mean, I'm nowhere near ready to be like a, a formal instructor. There's years and years of lessons I want to get under my belt. I want to, I want to start taking it more seriously though and kind of, angle in that direction, because it is absolutely the thing I, I enjoy the most, I've, uh, at this point, I've, I've taught a lot of people to shoot, and it's, it's something I'm really proud of, because a lot of people who would have, you know, like I said, never really given shooting the time of day, um, now they're like, oh shit, uh, you know, I know ammo's expensive, but can we go out again sometime, I wanna, you know, I, I, we'll, we'll get weapon handling down, um, you know, work them through from like a 22 to a 9 mil to an AR and kind of demystify that whole like, oh, you know, the big scary gun, because they, they shoot the 22 and they're like, oh, well, that's a toy. So then I move them onto a Glock and it's like, oh yeah, you can carry this on your every day. You can conceal it, you know, I'll show my concealed carry holster and, you know, it's it's easy enough to hide. And, and we're in fucking Arizona, so I'm not exactly, you know, wearing a winter coat and they're like, oh shit, I can do that. And it's like, yep. And then I show them an AR, and they're like, oh, that's a scary, that's the bad gun. And I'm like, yep. <laughs> and I, uh, you know, let them tap out a few rounds, and they're like, oh, fuck, this is kind of fun. And, uh, you know, I got that Franklin Armory binary trigger as well, which is, um, you know, a lot of people have an opinion about a binary trigger, but I like it, um, I, you know, I, I won't go too fucking deep into this, but I like it for the, using it like a, as a nice double tap kind of tool, um, really nice for a, a quick follow-up shot, fucking high output of fire, I know people can shoot very fast on a, just a regular semi-auto trigger, but, um, A, why the fuck not, uh, that was a big thing for me, I wanted to build an AR that would really upset, um, you know, every FUD back home, <laughs> when they saw what I owned, uh, and also, it's, um, I don't know, it's, it's gonna be fucking banned someday, and it's just, it's a, it's a nice thing to have, and, you know, you can get a fucking, uh, lightning link, or you, you can produce a lightning link like nothing, you know, but it's, it's something I can bring to the range and kind of upset, you know, the FUD RSO and be like, yep, completely illegal, fuck off. 
Uh, especially when I go to a, like a machine gun range and they're like, hey, that's not one of our rentals. And I'm like, nope. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. It's, some people think it's a gimmick, but I really, I enjoy them and I, I can get pretty fucking solid, you know, uh, bursts out of it. Um, I'm with enough practice. I know it's, it's, it's a nice thing to have. It's nice to have options. I'm, a lot of people say, oh, it's something else that can break, but so is anything, you know, um, I've, I've not had one stoppage that wasn't caused by steel case and steel case, it, it even, it's even chewed steel case like fairly well. I've got a radiant bolt, um, along with the Franklin Armory binary lower. So, you know, that's, that's my setup and it runs pretty fucking good with most of what I feed it, uh, 223. But anyway, um, so yeah, I, I get people even on that and they go, so the, you take someone in one day. You take someone in one day from shooting, well, from not shooting at all, to shooting a twenty-two, shooting a handgun, shooting a rifle, and then shooting on binary, effectively full auto, and they're like, oh, fuck. And so, you know, immediately we go over that speed bump of, oh, okay, but machine guns are scary. You're like, was it really that different? And they're like, no, actually, that was kind of controllable. You know, it was, it was a lot, but if you take them through it very slowly and confidently, it's, um... It, it gets them to a place you'd really struggle to do the kind of, like, long, drawn-out NRA safety course way. You you get hands-on, you show them, you demystify the object, but you do it safely, you know. You're right there with them, helping them control recoil. You make sure, you know, if they're not ready for it, they're not ready for it. And I always say, we could come out here and you could handle the guns. We don't shoot a single round. That's completely fucking fine because ammo's expensive, <laughs> and but but also like it's it has to be at your own pace. So, you know if you if you come out there and you're like oh fuck okay this is a lot and for some people it is because they didn't grow up with guns or they might have some kind of like really fucked up, um, you know background with them. A lot of people just they they view them as these evil inanimate objects, um, and so you have to go at someone's pace and. I, I always open with that, um, I say, you know, if, if handling the AR is too much, a lot of us will laugh at that, but it has to be at their pace, and so, I've, I've never had someone say, like, oh, I'm not ready for that, everyone's always like, because I'll, I'll demonstrate, my process is, I'll, I'll demonstrate shooting the gun, I'll unload it completely, show them how to handle everything, or vice versa, I'll show them how, how to, like, you know, weapon function, and then demonstrate, and I'm like, do you want to shoot it? And it's always, yep. <laughs> They're always eager to, because you, you know, yeah, you keep them waiting a little bit. And um, yeah, I've never had someone not go from not shooting to shooting the binary trigger in one day. Every single person I've taken shooting has uh, has wanted to do that, and it really radically changes their opinion. Like I said, and that has been one of my biggest joys since moving here is having the freedom to do that because. Previously, if I wanted to take someone shooting, it had to be on private land instead of public land, and it was like a big fucking ordeal of, uh, you know, going to buy ammo, and, uh, you know, you could only shoot, like, I had a 1022 of a suppressor, and I had you know, a couple bolt actions and a shotgun, and that, that was fucking it, and it was all FUD stuff, you know, Woodstock, like, nothing exciting, um, and, you know, you can take someone for a full range day in England, and by the end of it, they haven't learned anything about self-defense, they haven't learned anything about actual capable weapons, 
They've learnt what peasants are allowed to have. What, you know, rural rednecks like myself fucking, fucking have. You know, like, just stuff for rabbits, deer, and birds. So, you don't change any opinions. It's just like kind of a, kind of a lark. You just go out and fucking shoot some clays and some paper and that's it. But I'm taking people who've never shot out before to, to ring steel in the desert, you know, uh, with a binary trigger by the end of the day. And yeah, you know, it's pretty fucking, it's some confidence building. It's a brand new skill that you, you know, feel pretty fucking solid about by the end of the day. And so they're ready to come back. And I always do like kind of, I don't stress, you know, obviously I teach them how to aim. I teach them good breathing, like all the basic stance and all that. But I don't go into like, like a really deep dive on marksmanship. I just let them, you know, blat away at a hill with a, with a steel target and some cover boxes and shit to shoot at. But I don't go too hardcore on that. And then if they want to come back, if they're like, hmm, I wasn't hitting the steel as much as you. I'm like, all right, we'll, we'll come back and we'll do, now that you know how to handle it. Yeah, we didn't have to go into the, the fundamentals, we were just making sure you were doing it safely. Now let's ring that steel all day. Um, and I, I really fucking love talking someone through the process of, of shooting as a Brit. It's just kind of funny to me to be a Brit teaching Americans how to shoot. And it's, I don't know, it's really fucking nice. It's, um, like I said, it's my greatest pleasure. So there's a lot of stuff I have to do to, uh, but wait, you know, before I ever think about becoming any kind of formal instructor, because right now it's like, okay, you pay for your ammo, uh, and, you know, maybe buy lunch and then we're good. But, um, long term I would, you know, like, pff, fucking 10 years plus down the line, like to do some kind of, uh, some kind of training, um, instructor stuff, just because it's, it's the most fun I've had out of anything I, I do. I really enjoy, uh, instructing and teaching and, and hands-on stuff, you know? It, it just feels more useful. I, I'm very utilitarian like that. Um, so yeah, I want to, long term, I want to get some more courses under my belt. I really want to nail down my own fundamentals. Maybe even getting to some shooting competitions. I don't know. And uh, yeah, you know, maybe down the line I'll be, uh, might have like a little seasonal class or something. I, I definitely like to do like local local concealed carry classes and stuff too, just to, even for like, you know, like helping, helping people carry a gun for the first time, uh, like I've been doing, but in a more formal structured way with like some classroom stuff, uh, like a little bit of classroom stuff, like, you know, uh, dissecting a self-defense video and pointing out what's fucked up and do something a bit more angled for, you know, like-minded people, something a bit more going beyond the NRA FUD uh, mantra and kind of injecting more self-reliance and, um, you know, common sense into it rather than, like, this is the neat little book, it's going to be, like, you know, no bullshit, this is how you get through it kind of stuff. Um, but, yeah, you know, just something I've had an interest in. I've been thinking about it a lot, and I'm, you know, like I said, way down the line, but something I'm, I would like to aim towards, so. Anyway, let's wrap up with some questions. Um, any movement on the 3D printed home defense lamps? So, uh, there's someone asking about one of our very earliest episodes where me and Anglo were discussing, and I, as I was talking about in this episode, 
where uh, someone breaks into your house and you've got a cricket bat or something, you know, like, uh, I always explain it like this. If you had a cricket bat by your bed and someone broke into your house and you fucking conk him over the head with it, you kill the guy, potentially, uh, and the cops are like, well, you know, was it actual, was it real self-defense? Just because the guy's in your house doesn't mean your life was threatened. Also, why do you have a cricket bat? Do you play in a cricket league? But if you had... It's the same thing, like, uh, if you had a a baseball bat, like, that would be a lot more scrutinized because baseball's not a very common sport to play in England. So it's like, oh, do you have a baseball bat as a weapon? Did you Do you have a weapon by your bed? Oh, well, that might be premeditated murder, my friend. And so, uh... A long time ago on this on this episode, we were talking about um, 3D printed... Oh, no. I don't, I don't think we got into 3D printed, but it was like uh, home defense lamps. It was before we had the pleasure of uh, seeing Control Pew on the scene, but um, and all of that stuff uh, being very popular. But, yeah, home defense lamps. Um, I don't know, maybe that's... I, I really need to... Fuck, maybe I'll... I might actually look into that. If I can... Because you can definitely... 3D print most of the components of a lamp. So if you could, if you could somehow do it to be like designed for home defense in a way, there's a smart way to do it. Um, yeah, no, it's not something I've pursued, but I know uh, uh, in the E Militia, Rebs, Rebellious Liberty, and Resurrecting Freedom, aka Resi, are both uh, pretty fucking hot stuff on the 3D printer. So. I don't know, maybe we'll have to, after we get the 3D ostriches, ostrich figurines out, we'll have to work on the home defense lamps. Decentralized home defense lamps made with 3D printers. <laughs> How can people with similar Western cultural traditions be so different on authoritarianism? Uh, well, I mean, they come from the same stock, and then, you know, you forget how young America is. Effectively, the... I mean, you know, what what came out of the rebellion is only less than 250 years old, which is not a long amount of time. And so that's how long ago we split. And so Britain 250 years ago was, you know, obviously there's been changes, important changes, but the, the same government and the same society that existed then it's just the grown-up version of now you know it's just progressed a little bit since then so um britain never got out from under the thumb of tyranny they you know adapted and they cleaned it up and they they made it look prettier with some some window decoration but ultimately it's the same fucking thing they still they still live, live under the crown whether or not they answer to them directly you know it's and I don't mean that in a literal sense, like the the king or the, the queen is in charge of England. I just mean the government is still God in Britain. It's still very much a an ever-present factor of life, as we fucking discussed in this episode, or as I rambled about on this episode. And America, while it's absolutely the number one police state on the planet, the, the most powerful world power in existence, the Constitution didn't do shit. <laughs> There's still, you know, despite what the government is, um, the people of these countries are very different. So Britain, uh, there is no culture of rebellion. There is, you know, say what we want about the punk movement, but it really, ultimately, there's still this kind of, like, 
you can't escape it. It's just there. You know, you, you can bitch about it, you can complain, you can not like it, but it's still there. Whereas in the States, there's very much this, like, middle finger raised as you punch the gas kind of attitude. You know, there, there is this rebellious culture, and it doesn't always win. And it does get fucking its throat stomped on a lot. But it's much more present, and not just in a Confederate flag-waving way. I'm talking, like, left-wing, right-wing, all sorts of people have this attitude of, like, fuck authority, I'm gonna do my thing. You know? Um, whereas in England, there's, like, one side that wants to do everything orderly, and then the other side's, like, you know, like, I'm going to radically vote against this. It doesn't go beyond that. So, yeah, it's it's that... It was an important 250 years for, you know, Western history and Western culture because um, it, it had a big impact. It, those 250 years of America, you know, of the great experiment being tried and ultimately failing, um, we still learn a lot from it. And people are still uh, reaping the benefits of that difference, myself included, you know, getting the fuck away from... <laughs> a regime that would have almost certainly have raided my house by now if I still lived in England. How much and why cops protect and back each other instead of taking responsibility? Well, it's it's kind of this... It's this culture of being the superior citizen, I think. And we saw that in the Amber Geiger case down in Texas uh, that we did a whole episode on, on the E-Militia, where... These people, they were like a like a special crime unit, effectively, within the regular police force. And they talked about going out on, you know, their regular patrol routes, like, going on a mission. And they shared all this kind of, like, you know, moto Navy SEAL-sounding bullshit of, like, one shot, uh, one kill, all luck, no, all, no skill. No, <laughs> I fucked that up. I'm not, I fucking despise all that shit and haven't. I haven't read any of that stuff since I was going into Sandhurst, um, and I, I fucking never looked back at it after I left, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was some Navy SEAL shit like that, and so they have this, this view of themselves, like, they're fucking these, this elite, this superior citizen that, you know, they, they know what's right or wrong, they are the, the judge, the... <laughs> You know, they, they know better, um, and they are better. Uh, that's kind of, kind of the perceived culture that I get. And, um, so yeah, of course they back each other. You know, they got that thin blue line, that brotherhood, because they, if, if they don't, they'd be fucking eating each other alive, you know? Someone, someone knocks someone about too much, or someone says the wrong thing to a person, or does the wrong thing. If you're all snitching on each other, it just, you know, you're, no one's getting their pension, everyone's getting kicked out of the force, you know, you don't have any friends, so everyone has to, everyone has to fucking suck it up and be awful together, otherwise you're excluded, you know, and uh, you hear about that all the time. The, the so-called good cops are the ones that are like, fuck, I can't do this anymore, it's crazy, people, people are corrupt as shit, and, you know, they, they do awful things, and they get kicked out of the force, or... They, like, really claw on trying to get their pension. So, yeah, I think it's it's completely self-preservation, really, long story short. Uh, taking responsibility is not conducive to, to being a successful police officer in the way of providing for your family. And most of these people, 
you know, being a police officer is not something that you invest, you know, four years of your life into getting a degree or, or getting the training for you. It's a fucking, basically a barista course, you know, it's, it, you're in and you're out. Um, it's fucking insane the amount of training they get. It's, like, it's insane how little there is for the, the job. And so they're, they're low-skill individuals, you know? No, no nice way to say it. And so if you if you flunk out of that job, you don't get your pension, you're kind of fucked. If you're a, a police officer that lost their job, it's probably closest equivalent would be getting a dishonorable discharge, you know? Like, the government, the highest power in the land is like, this person's a useless piece of shit. And employers are going to be like, oh, no thank you. So of course you're going to lie for your buddies, you know, and keep that sweet job that you just ride around on a patrol cruiser and you can't get in trouble unless you really fucking, you know, do one. It's it's a sweet gig if you uh, if you play by the thin blue line rules. Man, you guys have you guys just want me fucking rambling about cops. Fuck. Um Oh, here we go. Here's some here's something a different flavor from the episode. Thoughts on Noam Chomsky. So, I actually, I mean, obviously, we don't overlap 100% on our views, but I actually respect Noam Chomsky. He's, I mean, his critiques of capitalism are more critiques of corporatism, which I'm completely, you know, on board with. And he's anti-imperialist, which I completely agree with. I, I don't think any country should be policing the world and occupying foreign land for, you know, with force for personal gain. So, and he was against the Vietnam War. He's, you know, very anti-war. He's, um, and, and he critiques neoliberals, you know? <laughs> I, I respect him. I don't think he's, I think he puts out, like, net, more net good, um, overall. I think, I think he's been a valuable voice in politics. Um, like I said, you know, not 100% on board with him. Uh, he's not, like, an idol of mine, but there's, I'd, I think I'd have to work for a few minutes to, to find a quote. I'd be like, alright, this guy's a fucking, you know, fuck this guy. He's probably said some shit about libertarians, been like, uh, said, said some very ungenerous things. Um, I'm not, uh, you know, the most familiar with his, his full body of work, but just from an overall view of him, um, yeah, I'm not gonna, not gonna waste my time shitting on the man. I think, uh, I think he's made a lot of good points over the years. Why is Boris such a little bitch? Because uh, he's one of these private school cunts. He's one of the, like I said, upper class people. He's he's not new money. He's just another inbred fucking <laughs> pig fucker. I'm sure. Uh, just like good old David Cameron. Uh, I I Americans, if you haven't heard about that. Our previous prime minister, two back now because Theresa May bitched out. Um, David Cameron, uh, he was the prime minister during Brexit. He said he'd resign if Britain decided to leave the European Union. A true conservative. <laughs> and uh, sure enough, they voted out and off he fucked. And uh, there was a story about him where in private school, part of, like, a, a hazing ritual was sticking his dick in the mouth of a, you know, a dead hog's head. So, uh, that's British politics for you. Pig fucker. Just like that Black Mirror episode. Um, <laughs> I mean, not just like it, but 
That that episode came out years before that happened. Which is partially why that show is so fucking famous. Like, really, everyone was like, oh, fuck. Will all of this happen? And, eh. Um... LMFAO, didn't they try curfews for men when the second Jack the Ripper, uh, the Yorkshire Ripper, uh, turd was killing left and right? Yeah, I believe so. Um, you know, once again, this isn't like a unique thing that there's been serial killers who target women in England. We kind of have a history of it because there's not been a solution. And they still refuse to give a solution. This, sadly, um, this has happened and they... They will change some laws, I'm sure. They'll, they, the British government is the best government for not letting a crisis go to waste. Because the left and right shake hands and like, something must be done. They fucking love something must be done. So absolutely, they will throw some kind of bill together that does something. And <laughs> nothing will change. But the public will be satisfied for another ten years or so. Until this happens again and is publicized enough for it to be an issue. And, you know, it'll be another circle jerk until culture changes. If it ever does in England. Um, that's, where, that's where Britain's at. They have to make a really fucking adult decision right now. And chances are, they won't. Chances are, they're gonna shrug their shoulders and be like, Well, fuck. I just hope we can hire enough cops. That's gonna be their fucking solution. Ah, <laughs> uh, oh boy, oh boy, gang, we did we did over a over an hour about why England is a an Orwellian hellhole. Um, but yeah, as always, we have to treat England like an educational tool because it's not good for much else. So sorry to my to to the Brits listening. Um, I love you, I sympathize with you, I hope you manage to get out of there, or I hope, th I, I genuinely do hope things get better, I've got loved ones over there, I've got, you know, very close family that I worry about, because they're self-target, well, I mean, I got, I got my loved ones, uh, you know, some pepper spray and knives and knuckle dusters and all that shit, um, that's between, that's between us. Uh, you can smuggle whatever the fuck you want into Britain, it turns out. <laughs> I, uh, my, my parents came over and visited, and I sent my dad back with all sorts of goodies, just in his fucking, um, in his luggage, and, yeah, all the way through, uh, through Heathrow, no issue. So, that's kind of funny. Uh, UK Customs, fuck you, we win. Um, smuggled some shit in, and... Yeah, no fucking issues. So, but, if if said loved one does use pepper spray, they might get a charge for it. <laughs> it's fucking insane. Um, so anyway, learn from England. Fucking watch that fiasco. Pay attention to stuff like this, because they're at a point where they're discussing rounding kitchen knives um, to prevent knife crime. In a country where people get, you know, fucking stabbed to death and run down by cars, acid thrown in their faces, and if you want a gun, you can fucking get one. You know, if you, 
and <laughs> it'd be far easier than getting one with a firearms license. If you and you know that's not even getting into three D printing, um, can't stop the signal. But uh, yeah, if you want a fucking gun in Britain, you can get one. It's it's insane. It's just security theater as it always is. And uh, yeah, we just have to learn from Britain, and they're like ten years down the road. I really do think that. Um, for America, they're they're the canary in the coal mine, and you gotta you gotta learn from them, or or you'll become like them. And that's why I do what I do, cause this shit drives me fucking insane, and I can't stand to I can't stand to feel like a lunatic just watching it, and <laughs> it's just like yep, that's how things are. Fuck no, fuck that. There's a better way to live, and it's taking responsibility for yourself, protecting yourself and not allowing yourself to be a victim because someone who thinks they know better, who has armed security, clearly, clearly, uh, the, the people protecting these people are, well, they're fucking murderers, aren't they? <laughs> um, you know, not, not all of them, of course, but clearly there's some fucking psychos in their ranks. Um, yeah, it's, whole thing's fucked up. It's, uh, I wish, I wish someone would say never again, like they will about gun violence, but no, they're going to sign a bill that makes them feel good, and the problem will persist. Uh, I kind of wanted to end on a, on a cheerier note than that, but, um, I'll wrap up with something else instead. Alright, so, I was, at someone's suggestion, someone mentioned the Veterans Day of Mind podcast. Apparently they talked about this, or are going to talk about this, I don't know. Uh, but I listened to their episode, which one was it? Alright, so I just listened to episode 121 of the Veterans Day of Mind podcast, and uh, with uh, Jez and Joe. They were they were pretty fucking entertaining, I really, really enjoyed that podcast. It's a pair of, uh, pair of British veterans, um, you know, they're, they're not like you know, on the exact same, in the exact same spot as us, ideologically, but they're, they're like, not really, they're not, like, a political podcast, it's just vets shooting the shit about, you know, army life and stuff like that, and, uh, yeah, it was, it was cool, it sounded, sounded like listening to a couple of my old PTIs, it was kind of, kind of weird, I was expecting to be, you know, have my fucking throat ripped out for something at any minute once they start, once they, uh, once they stop laughing together, but, now, nah, really entertaining dudes, um, you know, setting the world right in England, and, uh, I know, it's nice to hear someone who isn't a complete fucking lemming over there, so, yeah, real cool guys, uh, check that out if you're interested, um, oh, and check out the Spotify playlist, Bloody Good Punk, um, follow it, and follow the BR Hates Feds, uh, account on there, and then you'll see all the playlists that I release over time, um, so yeah, thanks for listening guys, and I'll see you next time.